Hello and welcome to another Bench Units podcast uh, coming to you on a Monday afternoon because yeah, this is I, almost Sunday morning. This is almost like Sunday morning except I didn't get back from Grand Canaria until late last night and then went straight to bed on account of being in Grand Canaria on Saturday night. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm joined as always by Mark. How's it going? Not bad, man. Glad to hear you've recovered from wheelchair basketball's equivalent of the Miami flu. It was, it was, it was, it was real bad. Uh, no, it was, yeah, it was, it was fine. I'm, I'm a professional. It's great. Uh, <laughs> a professional means even if you've done horrible things to your body, you just have to brush it off and do the usual coach speak. But yeah. we'll be ready for the next game. Yeah, it's funny when people are like, wow, you got to act like a professional. And it's like, if you ask any NBA player being a professional, it's like, hey, you just got to like play anyway, even yeah. if you're hanging. Yeah. Uh, th- this is before we get into anything. Have you listened to the low post that has Joe Kim Noah on? Uh, no, I intentionally didn't because I don't really know if I care about what he has to say. Was it was it- really it was really interesting, actually. But t- Did he not compare Derek Rose's injury to 9-11? Yeah, that, he very quickly then <laughs> stopped, asked to stop talking about it. So I think he realized what he'd done. Like but, he's um, from New York. Like, not like you need to be to empathize, but like, <laughs> come on, man. Um, but he said in that, Zach asked him about what the situation was on like the Bulls bus. And he was like, yeah, you know, it was just rookie's job to get the beers in. And he was like, oh, really? He's like, I didn't know that kind of thing went down as soon after getting off the game as the team bus. And he's like, so what kind of beers did you have? He's like, well, you know, you don't drink beers for the taste on the lips. Do you? you just want beer. It's like, this is a ridiculous thing for like, a, how much money did Joe Kim Noah make in his career? And he was like, hey, let's get out of this game and get the beers on the bus. I, I, I love like, the rookie stuff that happens in the NBA. Not like I'm sure there's probably really rough stuff that goes on, but the fact that it's just like, hey, we're all millionaires. Everyone on this plane is earning somewhere between three and 36 million <laughs> a year. But like the guy who's earning the least amount has to go and get like takeout for everyone. <laughs> like I've, I've seen stuff of like Matisse Thibault being told to go and get like Popeyes for everyone and then getting abuse when he gets it wrong <laughs> 30 people <laughs> to be fair if it, even if you're on rookie scale NBA contracts you've probably got enough in the bank to get a big takeaway order without it damaging you too badly yeah I, I like favorite NBA rookie thing before we talk about stuff that actually matters is the fact that Shaquille O'Neal on his in his brief stint in Phoenix, made Goran Dragic, who was then the rookie, wear like a keyboard over the way people would oh, wear yeah. over their neck to be able to play them like, like just on their own body. He made him wear one of those facing outwards so that at any given point, if Shaq had an idea for a song, he could just <laughs> try and play it on Goran Dragic. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of doing something that's like, hey, this isn't actually beneficial to me on like 95% of the time, but it's horrible for you yeah. all the time is great. <laughs> I've never yeah. heard of that one. There is a story about some point in that season where... Um, Dragic just went I think Dragic will have been about 23 at the time he started in the NBA and there's a point at which he just went up to Shaq and was like hey you're not going to bully me I've grown up in a civil war don't think I'm scared of you he was like oh okay this guy means it yeah that's that's tough yeah the whole to Shaq as well 
the whole soft European thing is like is just based on probably Americans being ignorant about what people from Eastern Europe have grown up in. Yeah, man, but, that's that, that's wild. But anyway, yeah. talk about another weekend of wheelchair basketball. There's one game in particular that we're gonna leave. Uh, we're gonna leave off the table because we are going to talk to someone who was there and played in it in a couple of days. But yeah, we'll leave that out and you'll see if we'll see if you can figure out which one it is. It might be quite obvious. Yeah. It's and me. If... I don't want to talk about Grand Canaria beating us. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna get somebody else. <laughs> Should we get someone from Bilbao or someone from Grand Canaria? Do you have enough English speaking on your team that we could get a, a guest in? No. No. We okay. do not. That's one thing here. It's like I don't get to like relax and speak English. There's a couple of guys that know a bit, like yeah. Like Asier's English is pretty good. A couple of other guys have got decent English, but like no. It's yeah. we, we speak Spanish. Um which is tough. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I know what you're saying, but I'm really tired. So this is really difficult. Like yeah. I have to concentrate to understand you and I can't concentrate right yeah. now. So I'm just not gonna bother. Get uh, one of your get one of your teammates on and we'll put my um put my half-hearted Spanish A level to the test and see if I can keep up. I did want I did wonder if like I could do one in Spanish and I was like, I'd either have to like leave you behind or just like have you hanging on for dear life. Let's sit there and nod, it'll be fine. It's probably might be what the listeners are after. <laughs> well, we can't understand anything that's going on, but at least he's not talking this time. Yeah. I'm just trying to poach listeners from BS Armenia. That's all we're trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to them. Anytime I see any other like wheelchair basketball, like media or podcast or social media or whatever, like rolled, I always pretend that I'm like, hey, screw those guys. But no, this. Yeah. I've had, I've had the same thing with um, RGK wheelchairs have launched their podcast, haven't they? And oh, yeah. The- their first two guests, Mariska and Pat, and it's like, damn it. Yeah, those guys, those guys have. I was going to be like, hey, there's enough, like, there's enough people caring about wheelchair basketball to go around, made easier by the fact that we have very few of them. <laughs> plenty for everyone else. Well, there's, there's enough to go around because I don't know what your like podcast listening habits are like yourself, but I've, I think with the number of like NBA podcasts I have subscribed to, I don't listen to them all consistently week in, week out. But if I played my entire podcast subscription list start to finish, it would probably fill every waking hour of my day. Oh, yeah, Whereas for sure. I feel like there is no risk. Like There's nobody making enough wheelchair basketball podcasts to rival us to the point where we're going to get squeezed out for a different one. Like People are way more likely to just not bother listening to us at all than they ever are to be like, oh, well, I can't possibly listen to RGK and these guys. How am I going to have the time for that? How do I ever find the balance between like maybe what, like maybe the biggest wheelchair producer in the world or one of them introduce like interviewing some of the greatest players of all time. And these guys who haven't actually spoken about a game yet, even though <laughs> it's been 10 minutes. Right, let's um, get into it then. But yeah. Okay. So we will start as we always seem to in Spain, I guess. Yeah. Because okay. that's what people care about. And by people, I mean mainly you, because it's where you work. Yeah, because a job's a job. Um, <laughs> I love that when people are like, why did you go to Bilbao? He's like, eh, job. But that's not true, but also kind of. But I love when people are like, oh, that's not the glamorous response I expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, money can be exchanged for goods and services. Um, <laughs> right. Have you yeah, got first get- game of the slate is Albacete 83 Mercia 47. Did you catch much of this? Yeah, I watched the first half of this. Um, Albacete 
thoroughly sleepwalked their way through the first quarter and were down three at that point. Oh, and uh, yeah, uh, Mercia had their full complement of guys, so they were a decent bit stronger than when they played you guys. But I would say that they weren't going to stay ahead of Albacete for the entire game. Oh, no. Um, so every, yeah, I watched the second quarter, which was 21-6 to Albacete, which made it, what, 36-24 at halftime. And a 12-point lead's not insurmountable, but when you've been outscored by 15 in 10 minutes to get to that point, it probably is. Yes. So, yeah, I um, I had to be um, efficient with my time after that and just chalk that up to the, um, the Albacete win at this point. Uh, but Gaz was back, which is cool to see because he's obviously not been away- he's not been around with Albacete for the early part of the season. Yeah, welcome back, Gaz. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at this like Mercia's last lead was in the twelfth minute, and then it just kind of never. Obviously, yeah. like they were never going to hang with them for a full game, but like hanging with them for a quarter is like, oh, that's that's interesting. Did yeah. they just shoot the lights out for a quarter, or was it? I assume not. Maybe just was it just Albacete being like, all right. It was it was a lot of stops and a lot of Lee busting the floor and getting to the getting to the other end. So they it wasn't like when they played you guys where they were just raining fire for the entire game. They got inside a lot easier than um they did against you. Yeah, but, Lee with twenty seven in thirty four minutes. Nice yeah. one. And Kyle Kyle have twenty two again. So man, yeah. Kyle yes. Left. Kyle plus 36, but he did play the entire 40 minutes, so he was always going to end up with like the entire score margin. But Kyle, this is a couple of games in a row now for Kyle of lighting it up. He obviously had a big one against you guys as well. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was 13 from two, 33% from three. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty run of the mill um, win for those guys in the yeah. end. Im- impressive stat from Mercia's side. Lalo shooting. Lalo played all 40 minutes and obviously was probably defended pretty heavily because he only got 10 shots up, but he was eight from 10 against a lineup of Lee, Filipski, Gaz, Ben in some coordination. Yeah, fair so, play. That's, that's, that's yeah. impressive. Um, 18 points. Um, also, the fact that they took 47 shots wouldn't we previously? Like, yeah. <laughs> so that game that they took 100. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is... That distinct is, change of pace. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot else to say about this. Yeah. There's not a mass amount on this one. Like, Mercia are, although the scores are 36 point differential, like, they're not a complete whitewash for anybody. And that, like, winning a quarter against the probable favorites in the league at this point, even if it takes you sneaking up by surprise on them, it's not nothing. Like, there's plenty of teams in the league that probably couldn't do that. Yeah, the floor is the floor is higher than last year. Like I think yeah. Mercia breeze past Getafe from last year without yeah. any questions asked. Obviously, Lalo's a better player than anyone uh, from yeah, than from anyone they had. Um but yeah, as you say, pretty, yeah. pretty run of the mill thing. Um okay. next game. Very quick question before we move on. What do you think Albacete's lineup's gonna look like with Gaz back? Hey, cool tattoo, by the way. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think he'll just slot right back in uh, in the Philipski spot eventually. I don't know if he's going to need a game or two to get back in. If, if they're going to like phase him back in, like he wasn't out injured or anything, so I imagine it'll just be like, okay, I'm ready to go. I could see. Yeah, I don't see any reason. It's tough because Philipski's not really done anything wrong either. 
but I can see guys just drop him right back in there. Uh, what do you think? Filipski off the bench is the most obscene of luxuries in the entire... Yeah, like, they just don't really have another way to fit all of their guys in. I don't think, like, you can't, like, can't take Lee or Kyle out and you can't really get all four of the... Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, they are... I don't think they can... There's no... No... Um, configuration where they can get Gaz, Lee, and Filipski on the floor together, I don't think, because you'd have to then... Oh, you could go with Oscar and... Almu. And Almu. Yeah, you could do that. I was thinking if you could get Kyle in there as well, but you definitely can't yeah. do that. You could do that. Um, if they had a female one point there, they could have gone Filipski, Lee, Gaz, Kyle, and a female one-pointer, but they either didn't want to or couldn't make yeah. that happen. Um, I was talking to someone about it the other day and they were like, just get anyone. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Like just find someone. But like, yeah. I think that's something that would have been achievable enough that they left it on the, you know, I think they've left it on the table rather than not being, not being able to get it. Like, I think that, that, that that's a choice. I assume. Yeah. I would have thought so. Cause they had, I don't know where she plays now, but they did have Lourdes. Oh, Lourdes, Lourdes Ortega is with Mercier, actually. Yeah, she's a Mercier. I was wondering where she was. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, she's up. Unless they tried to keep her in the fold and, and she opted for Mercier because so many of the Spanish women are there. I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, like a national team choice. Yeah. But I don't know. But she was only there a couple of years ago, right? Like, she wasn't there yes. last year. So no, she wasn't. She, That's a good point. In Mercier now. And I was like, yeah, this is nice. But, um, yeah, I guess. that would be fun to see, but I don't think we will see it. Yeah, I think it must be nice to be able to say and know that that's not essential to have for you to be okay. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, it'd be nice, but we'll figure it out anyway. Yeah. Is cool. But yeah. anyway, should we move yeah. on? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, what we hit next? A lot. That was a lot for a 30 something win, 30 something point win. Uh, th- yeah, we, we don't really stick to time or causality, do we? No. Okay, next game, Elunion 84, Zuzanak 46. Did you get much of this in? I caught a few minutes of this, and it was a whitewashing. Um, yeah, very much so. It is almost an identical score to the Albacete. It is literally one point difference to the Albacete and Mercia game, but Elunion were up straight from the start, and it just felt like it was over. Yeah. Um, so I didn't stick around for a whole lot of watching this. Um, yeah, Elunion are looking good. Greg's looked great all year. Yeah, um, lighten it up, man. Greg's been yeah, Greg's been doing his usual thing. They had what we got five double digit scorers with uh, everybody who scored for them scored double digits, and Greg and Terry both had over twenty. So. Yeah, t- tough sledding if you're Zuzanak. But I think... Um, That's five starters scoring and no one else. Well, to be fair, like the rest of the guys only went zero from two, zero from one, zero from one. So like, yeah. it's not like... Zero from four combined for the rest of their guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the question mark for me with Alunia at the moment is we kind of touched on it the other week when they played Malaga where they didn't get a lot from either Pablo Zazuela or Amadou Diallo, but they were at least finishing shots in this game. Um, whether, like, if that keeps up, might be the crux of Elunion's whole season. But it seems you can't really measure that when they're playing Zuzanak, who I think it's fair to say were overmatched. 
Yeah, and they're not massive either. Like there's not yeah. like little like mid height guys, but no one's like no one's that physical. Like they've got a lot of like young bigs, but who aren't that big or strong. Yeah. So they're always gonna have trouble. But yeah, no, it's good to see those guys actually like getting going again. And yeah. Yeah, because I think as you say, that does make a big difference. Like I think that was one of the things that kind of let them down sort of end of the season last year. Like those guys obviously stayed on the floor the whole time. Yeah. Regardless um, of people going in and out and it was that was one of the things that i was like ah that makes a difference yeah. obviously so there's not a huge amount to talk about from zuzanak's side but very quick illunion questions is jake due back to them at any point does anyone I, know i believe so like i have not heard any official stuff but yeah like apparently apparently so like apparently that's happening and i don't know like who's i don't know whether it's like visa stuff or whether it's he's like whether they have an agreement of when he's coming back or I don't know, but like he, yeah. I've heard, I've heard he's meant to be there at some right. point. Okay, not, not um, he's meant to be there already. Like I don't, I don't mean that. I mean like sure. I've heard he's he is going to be an Illunion player this year, so that'll be that'll be interesting when he comes back to see how they sort of whether yeah. they just get him straight back in or whether they keep rolling. Because if they're rolling by the time he comes back, yeah. And um, my other question is, he's kind of there. I think he does this every season at this point. He's playing in America, isn't he? But Pincho Ortega seems to show up for the second half of all of their seasons. Um, I don't know quite what his deal is because I know he's been back and forth to, I think, is it Alabama he's been to in the past? Yes. I thought him being back last year was like an anomaly. Like I thought he wasn't, like I thought he was meant to go to college and then whether the college season didn't happen or whatever because of COVID. Like I thought it was something, like I thought it was like, oh, that's weird. Okay, that- um, that might be that might well have been the case, but I know there's been two seasons in a row where he's played some portion of the second half of the year. So I don't know if it's just like a how the season shakes out, kind of like yeah. if all his college games are front loaded and then he has two games in the last couple of months of the year. I wonder if he's like, hey, I'm just gonna head back to Spain here and play every week for the second half of the season. Yeah, I don't know because I would imagine college season games kind of run roughly the same calendar as 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 europe so i don't know like but he's not there because he's in college so yeah i don't know if he's planning on showing up but he's good he'd help them a lot especially if he's still young enough to play as a three yeah that would be a big big deal for what (laughs) i tell you if that if Illunion are rolling and then they i don't know if this will happen but if they're rolling and then they get jake and pincho back at some point in the season that seems kind of unfair (laughs) yeah I, yeah, I'm I'm interested to like yeah. see when Jake comes back, like because I don't know what you do as a coach if you're like, hey, this all works, but also yeah. this guy who is a world class two five shows yeah. up again. Like I don't really know. I like you're probably it's like it's a good problem to have, like to figure out just how and when and how much to integrate someone and what sort of time scale. But like, I don't know what 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 do you do? Do you just slot him straight back in and run the no Terry no one pointer lineup or? Um... I don't know. I think I think the transitional step is to keep the starters as it is, and then be like, "Hey, Jake, this is your like. Here's the secondary unit that you get to run for the time being, and then at least get a gauge of how the units look, and then you can shake things up as needs be." But yeah, yeah, yeah that that would be my take on it anyway. But I, I mean, they they weren't brilliant for chemistry last year. And that's by no means his fault. That was the fact that they'd kind of shaken up the construction of their team a little bit. But I wonder if after being a bit shaky with chemistry last year, they'll just stick to what is working for yeah, them yeah. so far, which 
would be entirely justifiable. Yeah, they're rolling in the league as well. I guess the thing is, like, if you try and just like integrate them and like use it as a way to figure things out when you're not playing like super big games, it's probably a way to be like, okay, yeah. by the time we get to March, we'll have our rotation sorted. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, either. sure. Cool. Shall we? Should we skip over your game and come back to it, and then we'll jump on to this next one? Should we skip over my game and not come back to it? <laughs> cool. Bizarrely, um, the um, the scores we've gone through so far have been Albacete and Mercia, which was what we're we talking here: eighty-three forty-seven. CD Union versus Uzanak, eighty-four forty-six. So that's one point different on each side. And now Amviv and Burgos is 83-46. <laughs> These are wild. The furthest apart games with the most similar score lines I've ever seen. Yeah, that is really weird. I kind of never yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, that's odd. So next game, Vigo 83, Burgos 46. Did you expect this? Um, well, I think I could be accused of being a hopeless romantic on the Burgos side. Um, <laughs> yeah, you thought Burgos were going to beat everyone all year. I, I did. Um, my well, to be fair, my um, my entire reason for backing Burgos is my long running man crush on Andre Macek, and Burgos aren't good, but he certainly still is. Um, so sure. another yeah. another game of getting swamped by everybody who could possibly get within jumping distance of him, and he still puts up twenty one points on nineteen shots for a one five is pretty insane. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's about all there is to tell on the, um, the Burgos front. So match with 21, Lee Fryer with 15, everybody else with chipping in twos and fours, basically. Yeah. 10 points from anyone else. Yeah. Combined. And yeah, Vigo, we've kind of asked the same question of them a couple of times now is it's, can the heavy usage guys get enough shots up? to make it worth their while. And the answer in this case was yes. Massive, yeah. ga- massive game by Augustino Lejos. Oh, wow. 17 for 25. Yeah, 38 points. Jeez. Yeah, 38 for him, 21 for Fabian Romo. Yeah, and, and Julio Villas with 8 from 11 for 16 points is pretty nuts too. Yeah, that's... I Like, I haven't watched it. I'll, I'll admit I didn't, watch, I didn't get a chance to watch this one because you were yeah. whatever. So, like, they might have all just been like, it might have just been running in layups. I don't know. Yeah. Really, but... it, well, they, uh, Agustin probably put up in the first quarter. I think he must have put up 15, I guess. And by the time him and Roma were getting jumped as hard as they were, yeah, Villas ran in. Oh, he's just been selected the Spanish national team, actually. I think. Yes, he has. Somebody told me, which is weird because I didn't think he was Spanish. Um, yeah, you refer to him as Mexican a handful of times. Yeah, I was almost sure he was Mexican. It was one of those where it's like, I swear I've seen him on like the bench for the Spanish team, but like I'm not going to be like, you're right, and then Google it. So, <laughs> yeah. okay, I was wrong. Um, um, yeah. yeah, that's a that's a big game, but yeah, he played, he kind of played on the block a lot for them last year, which I was like, oh, he's like a sort of mid height three who can do a little bit of something. So I thought like he would have been sort of out in the perimeter a bit more, but maybe this game he was just kind of. Running, yeah. Well, I don't know. I didn't see it. Burgos don't have a lot of sizes. The the other thing, like he's they're probably not going to have much success, and he's not going to shoot eight from 11 rolling and finishing against Albacete or Illunion, maybe, but or you guys for that matter. Um, but yeah, this game obviously suited him. And yeah, uh, our weekly check on how many shot attempts and makes Vigo got from their two outside shooters. 
what they go 23 from 38 combined yeah man that's more like it we've been asking for them to take enough shots and they took 38 of Vigo's 62 shots so I think that, <laughs> fair that's enough about right yeah job done and that's a tick down from last week where they shot 30 shots each which was absolutely mental yeah, um, yeah that was wild that game at 100 like 100 possessions yeah <laughs> like mayhem um but yeah way to go Vigo are Vigo anything more than beating Burgos handily uh, last time I said a team wasn't going to be able to punch up, they immediately beat a Lunion. So <laughs> uh, I don't know. What I'm going to do is look at who they're playing next week and be like, uh, sorry, <laughs> guys. Um, God, where am I looking? Uh, oh, oh, they've got Malaga next week. <laughs> oh, man, that could be the answer to all our questions. Um, no, I, I don't I don't see it because I think they're too like even though I'm like, hey, you guys should be top heavy. I think it's more you I think they are top heavy. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't see I, I, I can't see it. Yeah, the um realistically that shooting performance they had from Romo and Olaos feels like as good as it's ever gonna get. Like they're not gonna shoot a combined what 65% or whatever that number is. Mm, yeah, like, I, I don't know how to combine percentages. Yeah, yeah um, no, I would say not. Well, they could. That's the thing. Like, so, like someone's got to get their shots up, and like those guys can, yeah, can pour it in. Like we've seen, like we've seen both of them have thirties. Like, yeah, if they like, if they can both put up those numbers and get decent third production from Vilas, they potentially can swing with Malaga or whoever you want to pick out of the kind of middle tier, but I, or they could maybe like give one of the better teams a closer game, but they haven't done that so far. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, let's not. Okay, cool. Speaking of Malaga. I thought you were going to say speaking of not getting ahead of ourselves, but I was like, Hey, they just, this is a big win. This is another, this is another big win for Malaga. Yeah. Um, Malaga 73 viable lead 44. Yeah. I say it's another big win. It's nowhere near as big as beating Alunion, but I think beating Alunion and people being like, um, that's an aberration. And then playing like a mid table team that people thought you'd be sort of closer to and just running through them yeah. is kind of like, yeah. It, that's I something. mean, there's the, there's the old thing of you hear it all the time in the NBA season because the schedule's so wild, but you hear the cliche of you can only beat the teams you play. And it's like that's a massively undecisive statement because beating them covers anything from squeaking out a win by one against a team you should be better than to pasting them by what what's the number in this case 29 sure yes. so yeah Good like math. when you've got a team who you would think you're competing for spots on the table with i'd say a 29 point win deserves some credit because you've you've handled business and then some oh yeah for sure like yeah and same formula for um for Malaga, really. Um, Jaime Esparza carrying again. And Christoph Cozzarina, who I was reliably informed is not a mid. He's actually a four and a half with a junior point. Um, those guys kind of... That lineup configuration they've found with Cozzarina and Patrick De Boer, um seems to be getting it done for them more so than anything else. That was what carried them against Illunion. And it they were productive that way again in this game. So maybe that's Malaga's lineup moving forward. 
Yeah. Should we take us talking about Malaga to introduce our new correction section? Yeah, let's do it. So uh, we got some unwanted feedback <laughs> from a listener <laughs> that basically corrected Mark on saying that Cazarina was a midpointer and also Mark said Patrick De Boer was a young was a young fella and he is actually 31? I think he's about to turn 31, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be 31 in December. So he's a 30-year-old 30, 30 man. Um, so yeah, we were given enough stick that we were we were also reliably informed that having a section where we call ourselves out on being stupid every week might be fun. So this is our chance. If you don't think it's fun, we don't want your feedback. So, um, (laughs) yeah, so Kotharina is not a midpointer and Patrick DeBoer is 30. Um, um, Julio Villas is Spanish and not Mexican. Um, Um, Burgos, uh, we're not going to be close to Madrid. (laughs) Since we're going all the way back. Um, And, and And Malaga can beat teams it's here above them yeah does um, it help does us going back here help with like my thing of just being like hey we're just talking nonsense like whatever it might do um i think it does because it's like when i've joked at this a couple of times but when i was drastically wrong on the whole Madiba and burgos thing and then got a, a message detailing that to me later that day um like Makes you think the whole point we of why we do this is so we can say what we think is going to happen, and it is ultimately pointless if we just go chalk and pick all the favorites to win everything and then say, "Ha, I told you I was right." So we, if we're gonna like go out on a limb, we may as well just accept we were wrong afterwards. Otherwise, there's probably not much point in doing any of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This whole thing is like we've decided to like record our random thoughts on basketball. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's it might be fun to just be like, we got this really wrong. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I always say about like calling stuff like this is like, I mean, in terms of getting stuff wrong, is it's like, hey, I was wrong. Fair play. You did great. Or like like the Malaga thing. I just want I, I was like, yeah, oh god, fair play to those guys. Like yeah. you, no one plays to prove me wrong, obviously. <laughs> but the fact that you did, I'm like, oh, I respect it. Yeah. Like that's cool. I didn't think that was there or whatever. But yeah, um, as far as has been great two weeks in a row. Like he's yeah, obviously he's- like built like like he can move and he's massive and he's he's young. He's actually young. He's Is only it? 24. But I didn't know that. Um, he seems to have been around forever. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of. He's like, I uh, he got like here in 2017. Thing. I think he got to Spain. Okay. Fair enough. Like, so like the thing where like five years. Yeah, everyone thought Hasso was like older than he is for ages, and then it turned out he was still getting the Spanish junior point until about two years ago or something. Yeah, Hasso's 25, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> younger, that's wild. Younger than either of us. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I think um, Esparza is pretty good. What do you make of the fact that obviously there's a decent chunk of British um, players on this Malaga team and we've seen Pete Cusack and Tyler get less minutes the last couple of weeks as they've, as Malaga have kind of found their best formula? What's your take on that? And for the young guys who are out there, this is Tyler's first time abroad, isn't it? And Pete's second time. What would be your kind of words of wisdom to those guys who are trying to forge ahead? Well, I'm not very good, so I don't have very many words of wisdom. But nah, they'll be all right. Like they're two young guys, obviously. And I think if your team has found like a formula that has led them to blow via the lead out and beat 
Illunion in two separate weeks. You kind of like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, you can't really do anything about it on a Saturday. You got to just like go to work on a Monday again and figure it out. Yeah, um, yeah, they're they're both fine. Two very talented young guys. Um, yeah. they'll be they'll be all right. I do. I just love the fact that like they signed there after a summer of Abdi being around them both. Like, I just love the idea that like they got there and Adi Orgbemi was like what did you bring me <laughs> i don't mean as players i mean just like too young yeah, like yeah. that the, yeah they're both a lot of fun to be around but tyler in particular is nuts so yeah i just love the idea of being like what is going on with these guys but nah they're cool and i'm excited to play them whenever yeah, whenever the hell sure. we play them because it'd be good to see them but yeah yeah for sure I, yeah, they just... because i'm not very good no nah, they just got to keep plugging away man i mean you've obviously been through similar thing in you know, a couple of years in Gran Canaria where your minutes were toyed up and down a little bit at what seemed like slightly inex- inexplicable times. So I guess, you know, as well as anybody, it's about just battling through it. Yeah. What can you do is the other question. It's yeah. like, what, what can you do in, in like, in terms of hypothetical shrugging your shoulders way, but also like, what can you do in terms of like, if there's actually things you can do, yeah, which there is, like it's, during the week in training it's do bizarre how it's bizarre how what can you do and what can you do about this are two very different questions yeah yeah, yeah that's fair um okay. is is there anything else in this game that you find interesting not really vitalid are limited i think it's fair to say um <laughs> they've just not got enough guys producing um and they they got 52 shots up with what you'd think being the three main guys getting 14, 13, and 13 in Maxi Ruggeri, Adrian Perez, and Yelmer, whose name I'm going to butcher, Van Bruschot. Bruschot? I don't know. Um, hey, Yelmer, come on the podcast. Tell us your name. <laughs> <laughs> Just dead. Like, telling people to come on the podcast, like, it's a dare is funny. Being like, hey, come on. Like, you're squaring up to yeah. someone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those guys got 40 shots up between them. And yeah, they've had 44 points as a team. You're going to struggle when your your three guys are, are not very efficient, I think, is the the moral of this one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I agree. Sorry, that's trying to be like, all right, done. Yeah. But yeah, also <laughs> actually done. Next game, Madiba 71, Las Rosas 41. How yeah. much of this did you see? Uh, I watched the first half and it was a whitewash. Uh, I checked back in at some point when there was a break between uh, fourth quarter. I checked back in and it was kind of all said and done at that point. But Las Rosas played relatively even for a stretch uh, for most of the fourth quarter, I think. So this could have actually been a much bigger margin than it was. Uh, so shout out to Madiba. But yeah, it was about what you would expect by, and we've talked about Las Rosas a couple of times about how their best weapon is playing as slowly as they can and letting um, Zavala do his thing. And that probably isn't going to fly against a team that wants to play at warp speed. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is like, if you're going to go with something, go with something stylistically really different to the other team, you better be better at it than their thing. Like it's that, it's just a thing of like, do you try and match with someone or do you like, do you try and stick or do you try and twist? Like do you try and match up with what a team does? Or not. And if you can't, like, there's a certain amount that you can do with a 50-year-old in your starters, like, again, <laughs> who are just going to run the ball down your throat. Like, they, like, yeah, they were never going to stick with them, I don't think. Like, they just don't have the 
don't have the the guys that can can run. No, like, no. Um, between Salvador, um, Sandoval, and John Hernandez, they Madiba probably have two of the best bigs in the league at kind of semi transition, busting the floor and getting position and finishing. Yeah, um, yeah. and that like that on its own is probably enough to do Lazarotas in and. Yeah, I mean, Madiba didn't get a huge amount of scoring outside of those two guys. You got Lewis and Phil with 10 and 9 each. Yeah, Phil, um, with, Phil with 9, 11 rebounds and being plus 30. Like, Oh, yeah, I've just spotted that. That's uh, plus 30 because they won by 30 and he yeah. played the full 40 minutes. But I just, like being plus 30 on like seven shots is, is cool. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just the style, like I say, the stylistic side of things. Um, Las Rosas had no way of sticking with Madiba pace wise, and that was kind of the that dictated the game more than anything, I think. Yeah, um, Zavala, who we just mentioned, zero from nine in this one. So I would say that tells you something about the defensive pressure they were up against. Yeah. So, yeah, that's basically this game. Yeah. Like, um, this, although this is my attempt at sitting out making the comment that I always do about Zavala, <laughs> just so that just so that I, I I don't get abused from the person who gives us feedback all the time, Mendel. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, both um, both Cano and um, what was his name, Gonzalez, both relatively efficient. Fifteen from twenty nine between the two of them. Oh yeah, Alexi Ruiz, who has just made the Spanish national team. Oh, that was oh, a good good yeah. Um, I, I thought I recognized his name. Um, yeah, yeah, you kind of fell into the reading the second turn. Reading the Spanish, Spanish thing. yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, those guys having 35 points between them and the rest of the team having six is probably not going to fly, I would say. Yeah, that's going to get you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot more on this one, except Madiba have looked pretty convincing against everyone they've played. Yes, I think it's fair to say they've not played anyone hugely imposing yet. So there's a chance I might still be right when I say that maybe they're a tier below the top teams, but I will reserve judgment on that until probably we preview some of the other games. I was going to say, hey, don't 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 upset anyone. They play us next week and they might blow us out. <laughs> um, I, I'm laughing like oh, maybe uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, cool. What else have we got? Um, uh, I think that's on to your guys' game, is it not? Uh, I don't want to, but yeah, sure. Okay. The, gr- the grudge um, match. So, uh, Grand Canaria 68, Bilbao 60. Um, Away you go. Yeah, man. So, I've spoken to you about this just before we recorded, and it was like we were up to start of the first quarter. I mean, end of the first quarter, 30 seconds to go missed a shot to go up four and then somehow ended up three down in the next 30 seconds. We went like Rose cut baseline, got a layup. We went to inbound it immediately turned it over. Jorge got an on one and it was like, oh, okay, that's like, that's not good. We ended up up one at halftime and then the third quarter, they just beat the brakes off us, man, 26-10. Like, yeah. Yeah, they scored nine in the fourth quarter. Like we turned it, we turned it back quite well, but no, we just like didn't didn't perform for like a full quarter. And I think yeah. that was one of the things where it's like when we actually executed the game plan defensively in terms of how we want to stop certain people and who we wanted to kind of give certain things to and whatever, it actually 
more than more often than not went all right. So it's not any sort of sort of lack of concept or anything that's letting us down. I think we just kind of dropped the ball for long enough periods. Like, no, I don't like good. Like you don't need to play well for 40 minutes. Like you can kind of do, do it with like 37 most of the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can let it slip because teams do like you kind of mess stuff up or you sort of blow sort of blow coverages or you sort of miss some shots that you should make or whatever over a 40 minute period. But it's just like, you can't just blow a full quarter like we did. Yeah. And it wasn't even, I don't even think it was a full quarter, but most of one, like definitely. Uh, I think it, for me, the third quarter turnaround, you guys racked up a lot of fouls in the first two or three minutes of the quarter. And then you kind of, because your guys' rhythm was a bit lost because they were shooting so many free throws in that stretch, you ended up going to your four big unit and then subsequently your four big unit, but with Esteche in for Manu. And I think you kind of lost the last five minutes of that quarter while you were looking to set your offense for the for the unit change you'd made. It took took you guys a while to kind yeah. of get rhythm. Um and then you end up winning the fourth quarter because you kind of got that got that unit clicking and Hasso was big getting inside and finishing off. But it just took you it felt like it took you a long time to find the kind of the right balance of the offense. Yeah. Um and yeah, like you say, losing those losing those few minutes can be enough to enough to turn it around um but in fact bizarrely the number of fouls and the free throws attempted by each team are near identical but Gran Canaria's free throws must have all come in about a eight minute stretch of the third quarter and then a few towards the end of the game because it felt like they were shooting free throws constantly for the, the entire second half yeah yeah I don't know man like also like Jorge had 23 and Rose had 19 like I can't like playing for playing for them for two years like i can't tell you how many teams plan was either like okay one or the other will get going like you can't you can't survive with two guys having 20 like yeah sure like it was yeah it was tough man um also it's weird like the two games we've lost so far one was like 90 something and the other one was 60 like you know what i mean like it was it's not like we've lost two games in a row because we can't stop someone or we've lost two games in a row because we can't score we've lost one for each of those reasons um obviously a lot of that has to do with pace like the the game that we you know like the game that you lose because of a certain high score you probably each team might get eight more shots and like that's yeah. something but i don't know man yeah we kind of just dropped the ball for a long enough period that they absolutely kicked our asses in that it didn't really matter yeah how much we came back at one point we were like i think we were down we brought it to four and had a shot that i thought we were going to make to push it a little closer and i was like oh these guys might get like a little little twitchy um then they kind of didn't get as close for the rest of it which is tough yeah it was a it was a tough tough watch in that second half i've never actively rooted for bilbao as much as i did in this game um, oh, thanks. I I thought you guys had it in the first half because, like you say, Jorge and Rose were. I think a lot of Jorge's points came in the second half. To be fair, but um, you took Ari out of it for basically the entire first half. He didn't really contribute offensively, at least. Um, so it was kind of, at the very least, taking them out of their offensive game plan 
enough to keep you guys in control. Um, and then Ari was only four from eight for the game, but I think every single one he stuck was like, let's say you guys got it to four or five, and then Ari hit a couple back to back. I think you guys had another, had like a stretch of hitting some free throws, and then Ari hit another one in like semi transition where he got a baseline post up. Yeah, um, yeah. And also, yeah, but- like just we sent Jorge to the line. 11 times like he's gonna yeah. make eight made eight of them like he's gonna do that like like <laughs> he's he's gonna make them <laughs> that's yeah. a big difference man like the whole thing of like can't let both of those guys go and like if he doesn't shoot 11 free throws he doesn't get anywhere near 23 obviously sure um which is disappointing but yeah man bill that whole thing is like we're gonna like we're they'll play hard like we're, we're gonna follow people like yeah <laughs> just sending people to the line who are going to make it every time is yeah. maybe, not, maybe not the move, but yeah. Also a random miscellaneous detail for fans of weird basketball stuff. Luigi Macambo had a five point play. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, um, yeah, that was a, yeah. He had a five point play. Um, yeah, Considering he had cool. nine points for the game. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, I wonder how many people have ever had like over half of their offensive output be in one possession like without ever going back to defense uh it, oh without going back to defense i was gonna say me i'm one from two every game <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um nah he, just, he he did well that was that was that was a cool thing um just glancing at the stats so free throws are relatively even offensive rebounds are relatively even turnovers look relatively even they got eight more shots than you i'm trying to figure out where that came from they got a load of offensive boards. Offensive rebounds. They got 26, apparently. Oh, so they did. Wait, no, that's... They got oh, 10, offensive rebounds, uh, sorry. 10, 10 offensive. And we got three. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that, yeah. Explain, that explains it. I feel okay. like there was one play that they got, like, five. And it's nuts because we're massive. But I think the thing is, like... You people don't get offensive rebounds if they're being defended like closely enough. Like people yeah. who kind of sneak in and get offensive rebounds, it's either de- like you don't box out, or like if you've sort of intentionally double jumped past someone and they'll get the occasional one under the hoop. But it wasn't that; it was just us like failing to get rebounds. After, yeah. yeah, after me being like, "Ah, eh, rebound, rebounds," but yeah, you know, <laughs> like they drop to you if you're doing the right thing, and we obviously weren't, which really hurts us. Like just. You know, there's different things looking at it. Like we lost by eight and it's like, if we don't send them to the line as much or if we sort of cut down on one of those two guys going off or if we don't give up 10 offensive, but you know what I mean? But like shoulda, woulda, coulda yeah. is the whole, whole thing. Sure. But I like, obviously m- me looking at it now being either an optimist or someone who is invested in trying to like make it better at least it's like, hey, these are like things that we can adjust, obviously. But yeah. and given your guys' team, it's not like you look at the rebounding thing and be like, well, how on earth are we ever going to fix this? It, if like, like we talked about Zuzanak a bit earlier, if they were getting badly out-rebounded, they don't have a lot of pathways to fix that. Whereas you guys are like, well, we could actually leverage the fact that we're massive and play like that. Yeah. Yeah, so, and like yeah. some of it is like obviously the way those guys play offense, they need some credit for pulling us out of position, like the way they yeah. move the ball and the way they've started moving players as well. Like there's a little bit of that. Sure. Where it's like if we're all just sat there watching people skip the ball around the outside of the key, like we're probably good yeah. on closing up and getting rebounds, but they've got enough 
enough going on that kind of moves people around in terms of heads and stuff. So that's some of it too. Like we don't just like they deserve credit as much as we deserve not credit. And obviously the guys that went and go and went and like actually pulled the rebounds down. Yeah. Like did, did um Rose have any trash to talk to you post game? Uh post game, not so much because she's super nice and was like, hey, you doing all right. But pre-game, she just kept being like, hey James, you're wearing the wrong jersey. Um <laughs> at one point their coach and their president were I was just talking to them after the game and they were like hey would like made a, some sort of joke about giving me a yellow jersey and why I would and I was like well eh, you guys didn't want me so that's probably why I wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um no we we've got you know at least we've got Madiba and Alunion in the next two weeks <laughs> but yeah that's why we're here we're here to play good teams and fair play to them um cool they they brought it a bit more than we did they did. I think we can. That's probably everything on this one. I would say I don't want to put you through any more trauma. No, I would also say so. If anyone listening to this thinks that I don't spend enough time talking about when we lose, yeah, just, just wait. Just wait for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> oh, oh, you love Medivh and I, do you? Sorry, oh, that, that was uncalled for. Um, all right. It's all right. It's fine. Cool. So you wanted to move to France very briefly. Well, I don't know if I want to move there permanently, but there was a game that happened there during the uh, the weekend that was pretty good. Yes. Yeah, you're like, I don't know if I'd move my whole life to go and watch it, but sure. <laughs> um, good joke. So for anyone listening who's not aware, I have a particular team in France who are my sworn nemesis uh, for reasons I'll probably go into at some point, but now is not the time. Um, so Le Puy and Valais, ended up going to play Le Canet, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago because they looked pretty convincing in beating our um, favourite critic, Mendel's team, a couple of weeks back. Uh, so we had Le Puy and Le Canet in probably two of the top three French teams, depending on how you want to rank them. Um, and this was pretty convincing Le Puy win. Uh, the pace of this game was completely mental, but the scoreline ended up 78-63 in Lapuy's favour. Uh, so take from that what you will about shooting percentages and finesse and other such foreign attributes of the French League. Um, you caught a little bit of this at my demand. Do you have any thoughts on any of this? Um, I watched the first half and the pace was absolutely nuts. Is <laughs> the sort of only thing that I can take away from it in terms of large sort of like zoomed out things to comment on um like i literally i watched it like half an hour before we came on here and what only was able to get the first half in timing wise and the thing i was like wow this is fast wow alexi ramane can move with the ball um it made me be like hey who moves with the ball as well as he does but who have you got like who comes to mind in terms of people who can move the ball like him um Bizarrely, the first person I think of is also French, and that's Sofiane. Um, outside of that, just for pure speed, I guess Harry maybe, but Harry's not as... Mm. Yeah, there's something different about their mechanics. I don't quite know what it is. Harry's probably as quick and as mobile with the ball. I don't know if he can, because he's obviously a lower classification player, I don't know if he can package it into being quite as lethal as Alexi is. He doesn't have the hit the hip yeah. stuff going on no i just mean in terms of like you hand someone the ball and you give them either like a straight sprint or like cones to go in and out, in and out of like 
who's as quick as that guy. My brain got to like Harry, Sofiane, Phil, Matt Phil. Scott, Steve yeah. Serio, Pat, maybe. Yeah. Pat Pat Ralston, went... Back in the day, but not anymore. Like Pat when he was in his guards chair for that one tournament. I can't remember what year that was. Yeah. Um, Although now Pat's back in the RGK, it's like he described yeah. it as like being max height, but feeling like he was in his guards chair, which is cool. But um yeah it's either way it's a very short list bizarrely the um the two-pointer from Lepuy Azua Shala is probably as quick and as mobile as anybody of who's a two-point classified player in the world yeah um yeah I mean France is like kind of I think the league's obviously not as strong as Spain or Germany or whatever else but the top three or four teams are generally pretty good. Um, I think Kiers and Mo are a little bit depleted this year. But these games are kind of, while they're maybe not the technical masterpieces that watching kind of Albacete from the other week or, you know, your Gran Canaria team's got a lot of praise for the ball movement and stuff. The French league's a little bit more rough around the edges, but it's actually a lot of fun to watch just because there seems to be never a dull moment. Yeah, there's a lot of running and gunning going on. I think it is like there's a relative lack of perimeter scoring, maybe yeah. overall for sure. Um, and I think that kind of manifests itself in teams being like, we just got to play harder. Yeah. Um, this is cool. the this is the ultimate game of that because Lacane have always played the same way regardless of who's played for them. And Lapuy are coached by Malik, who's never turned down the opportunity to be like, hey, get me as many mids as I can and let's press for 40 minutes. Yeah, they didn't really. They didn't press for the first half, really. No, they um no they play they play a couple of bigs on this team. Actually, it's a little bit different to a typical Malik team, but they still play kind of rough and tough. Um, but either way, the the game's good. It's genuinely worth a watch if you're not a typical French league viewer. And one of my favorite kind of unsung players is uh, Kalis Gabranovs, Grabanovs, however you say it. He's Latvian two-pointer who I played against a while back and I was like this guy's awesome and nobody knows who he is and like 10 years later that's still true yeah so shout out to that guy if he played anywhere relevant people would know who he was and he'd probably be ranked as well if he was of a nationality that wasn't Latvia and got to play in meaningful tournaments he'd probably be appreciated properly maybe could you so, might be ahead of the curve on this one I might uh, well I'm behind the curve on um, matters such as Burgos and Madiba, so it'd be nice to balance those out. Um, this is such a this is turning into such a bit, such a bit. Um, uh, that, no, we need less bits. We do. I don't know. Do we need more or less bits? Let us know. <laughs> um, that's kind of all from France because a lot of it was run in the mill. Uh, we mentioned Red Dragons a second ago when we were talking about the best French teams. They got a pretty convincing win against Mo. So yeah. Sh- Shout out to them. And Mo have actually got a couple of the um, the older guys who are coming back to the French national team now, which is interesting because France might be like sneaky, underrated coming into this Europeans because they got some of the old boys back who can yeah, still get Yeah, not them. like dark horses to win it, but like could yeah. maybe nick a game off someone that yeah, respect. Like the, the typical, um, the Poland role. Yeah. I don't know what Poland are going to be like this time, actually. I don't know who's coming or going from them, but that's probably for a different day. Um, yes. Shall we 
bounce quickly to Germany because the stats from there are never really good enough to paint us a full picture. Sure. And then and then yeah, that'll do us. So we'll go Germany. Yeah. We'll but we're gonna leave we're gonna leave the big Germany game out because we've yeah. we've got someone to talk to about it in a couple of days. We have. Um okay, Joe Beswick and Cologne against Hamburg. How many points did Joe have? Uh thirty one. Close. If I tell you that Cologne had 76 as a team and Joe had, let me do the maths very, very quickly. Joe had just less than half of those points. Oh, wow. That's impressive. I mean, <laughs> 37. Legend. So the, the Joe Beswick, I can shoot the ball tour continues. Um, <laughs> he can but- score, man. Like that guy's been scoring for a long time. Looking at Cologne's um, team, they got, I cannot believe they got 39 points from the rest of their guys. They got, so Joe with 37, then they had a six, a four, a seven, a 10, an eight, and a four. That can't add up to 39, sure. <laughs> it does, just about. Uh, that, that's what, do you ever do that with stat sheets where you look at enough single digits and you're like, there's no way that these add up to this? Yeah, there's like uh, 10 they, guys with seven, and you're like, you mean that's 70? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and they always do, because that's how numbers work, but it never makes me convinced that they actually will. Yeah, yeah um, interesting. I, yeah, and, I know that for sure. And then, yeah, on Hamburg's side, the Iranian guy whose name I always butcher, uh, Kamali Majaba, I'm going to go with. That's probably different to how I said it last time. He had 22 but Hamburg, when y- your top guy has 15 less than their top guy and the rest of it's all comparable, you're probably in a bad spot, is yeah. my expert analysis of this. Yeah, once again, mathematically, yes. <laughs> all the other numbers are similar, and then this one's about 15 less than the other one you might lose by about 15. <laughs> um, how many did they lose by? Let me grab the numbers again. They lost by 12, so yeah, the support... The supporting cast of Hamburg contributed three more points than the supporting cast of Cologne. Cool. So, yeah, that's not enough to make up for a 15-point gap. Famously we, not. Yeah, We should, right. be math, should be maths tutors or something on a, a side hustle podcast. Um, so, quick one. Ryan River Rhinos against Munsterland, 69-37. Not a whole lot here outside of... I'm interested to see what Ryan River Rhinos are like. I think they're doing Euro Cup this time, and I'm quite interested to see what they're like against not German teams because I think Germany is so top-heavy with the two teams that everyone else kind of feels a little bit irrelevant by default. Yeah, like I have, my, I have a really good idea of like what sixth in uh, the Spanish league feels like because that's probably where we are at the minute. No, um, <laughs> sixth in the Spanish, I have a really good. Uh, like rough idea of like what that is like but i have no idea of what that would compare to like crossing over but yeah the rhine river rhinos say that they're sixth but the rhine river rhinos beat malaga i have no idea that's what i mean like it's so like it's so hard to cross over now malaga just beat alunion uh benefit of the doubt (laughs) for malaga benefit of the doubt fair enough um next german league game uh, ING Skywheelers and Trio Dolphins, so 67-59 for Skywheelers. 
Nico Drymuller with 24 and somebody by the name of Tim Deirdrich by 20, 20 with 23, sorry. So that's 47 points from those two guys. That'll get it um, done. Dirk Passavan with a, an off game by his standards. How many did he have? 21. 28. Ah, wow. Weak what a man. The pro- what a problem, man. Problem being, they're just they're not built to withstand him. Like it sounds ridiculous. They are literally not built to withstand him scoring less than 45. <laughs> like, it's it's so true. It's uh yeah, it's madness, man. Yeah. But yeah, we'll um we'll jump back on to the Landell and Thuringia game at a different time very soon. Um, quick topic of discussion we got sent in while we're still on Germany. We mentioned the Cologne and Hamburg game and we had a reliable source inform us that Hamburg apparently travelled to Cologne by train uh, four hours plus a 40-minute delay, had to do a load of underground gymnastics as in getting the underground tube not going underground to do gymnastics um and yeah basically in in every inopportune scenario of getting to the venue to play the game um this kind of tallies a little bit with what rose said when she was on about how they i think they played last rosas the other week and they got their 18 minutes before tip um and so ayaka who provided this information has said, do you think those things affect games? And yes. do, you have, do you have any stories of kind of pre-game adventures that you've been through that have put you in a compromising position? Um, yeah, Zuzanak, last year we got there and realized that we left Jorge's chair behind. <laughs> um, so my joke is like anyone else, we would have been like, yeah, we'll play. It'll be fine. Like if they left my chair behind, they would have been like, shut up, what'd you do that for? But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, left Jorge's chair behind, so we just delayed the game. They had the court booked. I understand if you have the court booked to a certain point that you can't, like, and I also understand that you're under no obligation to, but, like, I feel like if you can, you probably should, like, yeah. as just because I think being nice is a good thing, but also, like, if you want to just be like, hey, 20 nil, or you play without this guy or whatever, like, you're allowed to do that, obviously, but, yeah, no, we had that happen, um, and I remember the bus driver went back with our team manager, Fran, and just like absolutely hammered it back to the airport and, and back and we got there. And Oh, we, right, right. So the chair, the chair was at the airport, not it hadn't been put on the flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we like drove away and the chair hadn't made it onto the bus for right. some reason. I, like after that, it was like, has everyone got their own stuff? Cool. Yeah, sweet. So yeah, but they let us delay it. I think it 100% affects games is my actual answer to that. But yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. Um. I don't think I've got a really bad one. I remember an away game once where I was in the car with somebody, we missed our exit, and then coincidentally the next exit we could come off at as well as being like 10 miles further on, which almost never happens on like UK motorways, um, had a diversion straight off, and there was actually a diversion within an within a diversion, so after missing... After missing our exit, we went the wrong way around the diversion on two different occasions before getting the combination right. Um, but we were just like the team could go ahead without us. So it we got there like 15 minutes before the game tips and it was a bit frantic. Um, bizarrely, the worst one I've ever had was when we were playing Lothian Phoenix at home. They obviously drive down from Scotland. 
and they were really late and we'd already started warming up and everything before they let us know they were going to be late. Mm. And so we ended up warming up or like getting out of our chairs and sitting around and then coming back to warm up for like an hour and 45 minutes. And that they like arrived and were full of adrenaline because they were running late and were panicked and they like hit the ground running and we were brain dead. So bizarrely, I think that was actually more difficult for us than it was for them. Yeah, like having to wait around for that long. Yeah, it was weird because we were just kind of sitting there being like, hey, sorry, guys. And they were like, okay, in that time that it happened to us. But yeah, like it's the thing of like, it's for sure an issue. Like some, because some people have like pregame routines that are like an hour long. Because like a lot of teams standard thing is get there one hour before the game, have to eat dog, do whatever. So like, yeah, I I completely understand that that absolutely does affect people as it, it would affect me. Like if I... Like I've noticed we've had some games where it's been like, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? Okay, cool. We, we're in this changing room. Okay, team talks five minutes later than it would normally be because we needed to figure out what we're doing. Oh God, my whole thing's off. But yeah. yeah. But I think on that, it affects the home team. Not Maybe not as much, but it does affect the home team as well or the team that should have had less obstacles because you end up your routines thrown off as well by no fault of your own. Yeah, for sure. So... Yeah, no, I thought that was um, I thought that was an interesting thing. It it was a pretty close game, like we said, twelve points to say Hamburg had effectively run the gauntlet. They must have rocked up at the venue and been like, "Well, nothing can be as difficult as actually yeah. getting here. We should be fine." Shout yeah. out to Joe then dropping thirty seven with no mercy. Oh God, yeah, um, um, yeah. Have we got anything else to cover? I don't think so. It's just gotten dark since I've been sitting here. So. Yeah, no, it it got dark here. Because it's obviously been daylight savings in like the last couple of couple of days, so clocks have gone back, and I completely forgot. But I can just about see you still. Um, yes. No, I think yeah, that's it. I think that just about does that just about does. Last thing we mentioned, the Italian league hadn't really gotten started because the two teams that are actually legit didn't play last week. Um, those being Cantu and San Stefano, and they won. Cantu 77-37 over my guys at PM, PDM Treviso and San Stefano 77-36 against uh, SPS Montella. So we're wow. very close once again. What is the deal? We're in a weird twilight zone of near identical scores. I don't know what's going on here. These, it's very strange. These, these top teams in the league must be very well um, coordinated with each other to be like, hey, we'll score this many, you guys score this many. And when it comes down to points difference on the last week of the season, it'll be all to play for. Yeah, that must be what they're doing. But okay. yeah, so I think that'll do it, will it? I think it will. Um, so yeah, like we say, we've mentioned a couple of times, we haven't touched the Landil 3 game yet, but keep your eyes and ears peeled because we're going to be getting someone far more informed than ourselves coming yeah, in. To tell play. us who you'd like it to be, even though it's already arranged. <laughs> just so that we can tell whoever it is that some people wanted this person instead or that person instead yeah because we know how to alienate guests that's what we do around here i was gonna spoil it but i I won't it's fine cool no worries cool all right uh thanks very much for listening um if you have any corrections for next week for correction uh section i was gonna go correction corner but correction section is actually kind of cool so cool yeah, uh, let us up with those. Also, we genuinely have. I, I put this on the Instagram the last couple of days, but we've got some really good feedback, like useful stuff. I know we've been joking about it. It has been helpful. Like we take it on board, and 
we we just got the because <laughs> yes, I'm the one who provides the opinions and you say yes or no. Um, I say maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, and we've just completed our most listened to month ever. Um, so we feel like we're doing something right. If you think we can do something better, then continue to let us know and we'll see what we can do. But other cool. than that, thanks for listening. Feedback to Mark, compliments to me. You know how it goes. <laughs> thanks very much for listening, guys. Take it easy. Peace.